Hey, Will I Like It listeners, do you like a good cup of coffee, one that's rich, flavorful, and ethically sourced? Then you need to check out Dynasty of Coffee, a Yorkshire-based online coffee business that offers a range of expertly crafted blends. All of their coffee is roasted to order to ensure freshness, and they're committed to nurturing the well-being of both individuals and the planet. Whether you're a fan of a bold, strong coffee or a smooth and mellow one, Dynasty of Coffee has a blend for you. Their four main blends are inspired by different British dynasties, Saxon, Viking, Tudor, and a decaf Hanoverian. So if you're looking for a delicious and ethically sourced cup of coffee, head to dynastyofcoffee.co.uk today and use the code SAXON10, that's SAXON, all capital letters, 10, at checkout for 10% off your first order. Enjoy! Welcome back to the Will I Like It podcast. Uh, my special guest today, I'm rather excited, I must be honest, is Shul Vratton. Uh, I'm a very big fan, so I'll try not to fan out too much on you. Well, I'm a fan of you too, so... <laughs> so welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about what you do. Um, mm. As we were just talking off camera, we can't really do the whole food thing. Um, so we're going to talk through some of your music and your instruments and that kind of stuff instead. Yeah, I guess uh, talking about food for an hour would be would be boring. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, at the end there are a few sort of questions that I ask everyone. They are just for fun, yeah. but um, they are food based. So uh, I'll be interested to see what your answers are for those. Yeah. So you you kind of got started with the whole Viking music thing like a long time before. It became a big deal, right? I mean, what twenty years ago, I think. Yeah, we started uh, back uh, back in the late nineties. Um, it was a it was a band called Avas, which was the first one, and it was. Yeah. Uh, today, it's kind of fun to look back at it because three of the members of that band was me, who has been with like Nibala, Vajuna, and lots of bands, and then yeah. there's stuff from Folket Borta for Nuravin, Astral Side, yeah. with Bruna Hill. And it's also Maria, who is today is well known from from Heilung. <laughs> and we She's started, quite well known now. <laughs> yeah, and we started back back late nineties, and and the first show we had was actually New Year's Eve two thousand, at um, at a thousand year celebration for for uh, one of the hidden communities in in Norway. Right, right. So yeah, it's a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> so did you get? I just this. Sort of personal question and really but I just wondered whether you played music sort of as a child and growing up with sort of more what people think of as yeah, usual instruments like guitars and drums and things and then you got into the historical side or was it the historical side that got you playing music? It, it, it's a long story really I, I started off in in the in the classical scene I was actually a tuba player and I was like ah. to be a virtuoso tuba player when I was like, like a kid and uh, but then when I got like 18 or 19 or something I just got really really fed up with the classical scene it was yeah. it's different now but back then it was all about what you cannot do you know all these right. rules and the, it bored me so why can't I do this I think it sounds nice so so by the end of it I just skipped the whole thing thinking that what I'm, I'm doing should I just be copying other people's music who's been copied a thousand times before or should I actually create something yeah so I started creating and I I, I went off the classical scene into like the 
I went into the harsh noise scene at the beginning of the 90s, really, and started to to break as many musical rules as I could, making like really, really, really brutal noise music. And I kind of destroyed it more and more and more. And the more I destroyed the sounds, I ended up with some like ambient soundscapes, which led me into the, the music of like like meditation, relaxing and those things. And yeah. somewhere in there during 90s, I found the the um, what we would call ur like like um, throat singing the uh, drums you know this like, yeah this this music that really comes from inside and uh, and I got really fond of that and I started working a lot with like world music like ancient types of world music and and weird kind of combinations of those and then uh, when I met Gustav and, and Maria, we, we started doing like medieval stuff and, and we ended up doing a lot of, of uh, shows at like Viking markets and, and for the yeah. communities and, and such. And then I kind of went into like, yeah, but I'm all into the roots of music from everywhere. But what about my own roots? Where, what, what was this up here in, in the Northern spheres back in the days? And then I started specializing in this and... Uh, about 20 years ago, I started doing lectures about it. And from there, my life has been mainly about that, really. <laughs> so, yeah. That's, yeah, that's really cool. Um, but it's, it's a difficult thing for you to do, isn't it? Because we've, we've got like finds of instruments and things, but we don't know what the music sounded like. So I guess what you're doing is creating your own music yeah. based on historical instruments rather than... Yeah, I do. I do a lot of lectures about like I I can show you all these instruments. Now it's easy. When I started, it was really really hard to find someone to help me make these instruments because yeah. nobody did that back then. So I started making them myself. I was not very good at it. So I started like finding luthiers that was interested in, in experimenting, and then I started to get, gain some of my instruments. Today it's much easier, fortunately. Uh, um, so where was I heading with this? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, but I do do these lectures where I can say that this instrument was found there, the history is this, and you can use it in this way. But yeah. when it comes to like what music they did, it's, we have no idea whatsoever. There's almost no sources of any, anything pointing at what kind of music they made. And mm -hmm. when you go really far back, because my lecture starts more than 40,000 years back in time. And um, and when you go that far back, you're not even allowed to call it music anymore when you talk to, oh. to, to the archaeologists, which I find a little bit silly, but I understand yeah. why. But uh, I, I can talk more about that later. We will come into those instruments in this interview. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, and uh, when I make my own music, it's it's really modern music inspired from from uh, my. I use a lot of um, at least for my next album and also for like the live album Bronzeblossom, which mm. is more lyric based, like skaldic songs. I I have lyrics which is inspired by the ancient times and religion yeah. and everyday life. I do make a lot of like instrumental instrumental music, which is more of inspiration uh, based. I mainly use like like for instance my my world music album Fard, which was released by Norse music a few years back mm -hmm. it's 95 percent historical instruments from the northern regions and the, the the focus on the album is where did these instruments come from and what kind of inspiration did it bring like musical inspiration could it have brought back to the northern spheres 
from where they found the instruments because obviously yeah. someone played them. So, so yeah, my focus is is about the instruments, the sounds they produce. It's about the culture, but it's also about you know because every culture is evolving and what makes mm. a culture evolve? Yeah, it evolves because it meets other cultures and it finds inspiration and learn new things from those cultures. So, so that's pretty much my the main mu uh, musical theme I'm working with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you mentioned that archaeologists don't like you to call it music. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 what's what's the reasoning behind that? Is it because was music more of a, a sort of spiritual thing or like for ritual type stuff back then? Because or? we don't know really. Because yeah, the, the explanation why they do this is that we don't really know what I did. They have music in the same sense as we have music today. Uh, I, I, and and I. Well, you can say that uh, what they would like me to call it is intentional sound. That mm. they make sound for an intention. And it, yeah. the reason is that maybe the sound was uh, a part of like going hunting. You could make the sound of an animal to hunt the animal, which is what we're yeah. going to talk about, you know, about food. And then you would yeah. make that sound from the animal and you would uh, uh, try to call for it and 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 hunt that animal and then maybe in the evening you would tell the story from the hunt and you would make the sounds of those animals is this mm. music or is it just intentional sound mm -hmm. almost know. like an enhanced sort of storytelling technique so exactly exactly yeah so, so that's why uh, i will talk about some of the oldest instruments we have heard about when we get to that part and i will talk more about this at that point because uh yeah, yeah. I don't entirely agree with them, but I do understand well, very well why we need to have these terms. Mm. No, yeah. back like forty thousand years back, they definitely didn't listen to the radio like we do today. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. But, yeah. but I think we will get back to that when I start to, to show those instruments you asked me to to find for this interview. Yeah, I, mean, I was going to ask you about um, sort of why why historical music but I think you kind of covered that anyway through your yeah. sort of upbringing through classical and stuff I mean that's kind of yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's quite easy really it's because I I started off with music that comes from the outside you know you get a note mm. and you get uh, an explanation to who made that music like a couple of hundred years ago and yeah you, know, you try to recreate that which is not so different really but it's all mm. about producing what they did for me music needs to come from the inside it yeah needs to be created inside me it needs to to to, to i it's difficult i do like when i'm with uh, Vadruna, for instance i do play what what einar creates but what yeah. Einar creates also i i can i can relate to his creations it, it speaks to me on a, on a inner level too uh, partly because I know the guy, partly because we work mm. with the same things. <laughs> but um, but my music, it's it's uh, and it's like my album Bluta, which is a really tribal law kind of thing. That's one of my favorites. I must admit. Thank you. <laughs> we had it on this morning actually, and um, uh, I can't remember now. But there was a there's a part when you're sort of chanting at the beginning, mm -hmm. and uh, my daughter almost started using it as a call and response. 
Yeah. And, and, and I, what are you doing that for? And she said, well, because when someone does the first bit, you have to do the second bit. So she'd almost like you said about hunting, I guess, which is like... We, actually, that song is, is a really old song that we used with the band Avas 20, more than 20 years ago. And yeah. normally when we were at Viking markets and stuff, we would start the, the, the shows with this song because it, it is a calling. And what we would do was that, like, like in 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 some Viking cities, like one of the ones in in Sweden at Fulltviken, you have this this city uh, walls, you know, the, yeah. this mounds around it with fences and stuff. And and uh, then I started in the middle of the 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 area where we were supposed to to play, and the others were situated on that that uh, around the city, different angles. And I started yeah. calling, and they started replying from their their uh, spots and then we gathered together and we ended up into a kind of wild improvised choir part with oh, nice. you know? so so that's where it comes from actually yeah yeah <laughs> it's funny I, I i sort of just reminded me actually there was a band i saw years ago they were a marching band mm -hmm. i was actually at a hip-hop gig but he had the marching band as a support uh, um, oh. but they did a similar thing so they came instead of coming on stage and starting to play yeah. suddenly there were drums over here and yeah what and then suddenly there's drums over here, and they all came from behind you and they yeah. literally came into the crowd and they're yeah. just in the middle of everyone that's trying to dance and they're just there drumming <laughs> it's really fun experience it does something you know <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and you really like feel the drums then which uh i guess yeah. ties it back into what you're saying about like the spiritual side of music right i mean like when you're actually feeling the music exactly yeah, yeah. And we, we got a lot of feedback on this when we did this thing because, it, you know, it does include the audience in, in a different yeah, way. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, I miss those days a little bit sometimes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that sounds really fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Fun. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then as you say, you've all kind of branched off and it's become this massive viking scene i guess now or yeah, yeah. historical music i suppose i shouldn't really just call it viking music no nah, not really but, <laughs> yeah but, but it's you know it's a way to to express a certain kind yeah. of style but yeah. i think as well it's because i came across most of you at the same time was at midgard blue uh, mm -hmm. before my daughter was born so i think it was about 2016 mm -hmm. and i met yourself and benny and gustav and maria and yeah. And so that's when I first came across everything it was before sort of high lungs. So Songnuka were playing in the guild hall as well. Um, yeah. yeah. So I think that's why I associate all that with Viking music is because that's where. Yeah, a lot of yeah. people tend to call it Viking music. And uh, it's, and I mean, today everybody knows that what people call Viking music is not really Viking music. So it's kind of okay. But if, if mm. you're, Looking at the term, it's it's not a correct term to use as as we don't know what Viking music would be. But mm. it's some sort of a world music, anyways, you know, and, and it yeah. doesn't really matter anymore to me. It, it was a little yeah. a, a part a part in time where where I kind of reacted to it a lot because it's uh, it's actually a wrong term to use, but I mean. Today, I think most people are aware that we don't know what it was. So what we call Viking music is is a new term anyways. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, yeah, we don't know their music. I mean, we don't have any evidence they had drums either, do we? Which is seems a strange one. Yeah, but that's it, it, it's a big discussion about those drums. <laughs> I've been in <laughs> so many times, but yeah. I, so yeah, I think the discussion is about the dye. But you know, most archaeologists they claim claimed at least for until recent that they didn't have drums in Viking Age. Hmm. There's no findings of them, but it's as yeah. Rather silly thing to to assume, as they did have them before, they did have them in the entire world around them, and they did have them after. And there's like a few mm. political kind of paintings in churches from like eleven, twelve hundreds that kind of claims that they did. <laughs> so, I believe as well there is one mentioned. I think it might be an Alfred the Great's chronicle, and I think there's a kind of kettle sure. drum type thing, isn't there? There's several drums mentioned in, in sagas and even older. I mean, even Tacitus is mentioning the people of the north using drums, where, where he says in his book that, that the women were playing drums while the men were performing rituals. Hmm. <laughs> and, and that's kind of far back before the Viking Age, definitely. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, so of course I, I'm pretty sure they had drums, but you know, if you put a, a little wooden frame with a skin out in the forest for a thousand years, it's not there anymore. <laughs> As with a lot of things we find, isn't it? I mean, it's all kind of piecing together little bits based on what we've got. I have the same problem with food. I mean, <laughs> we don't have any recipes, so no. what do you do? Yeah, you have to mm. start. You have to be creative, and and it's kind of um, okay. I'm drifting. You, you need to stop me if I'm drifting too far. But it's kind of uh, every year there's this big convention for music archaeologists, and mm -hmm. um, as a result of this this conventions, they kind of make a book with the most recent, interesting recent research. And uh, I think it was last year's book has uh, uh, the whole intro uh, to the book, which is a big thing. Uh, is talking about all the different ways of doing archaeology. And for the first time ever, I've actually seen in such a book that people like you and me are mentions, mentioned as an important part of the archaeology. The practical part of it, yeah. where you have to try out things instead of just saying that I found this, this is like it, you know, and then we yeah. can try it out and see, but it doesn't work the way you say. It must have been something else. Yes. And for the first time, I've actually seen that mentioned as a very positive and important part of archaeology. It's definitely important. I mean, it's something that's basically my approach, um, trying to think. So I've got a good example that I can easily grab. <clears throat> Anyone that follows me will be probably sick to death of me mentioning this. But <laughs> I have this, yeah. this little fork. Yeah. Um, and I saw pictures of it years ago, and it took a while to get a blacksmith to make it. Mm -hmm. And seeing it in a book is one thing, holding it is a different thing. Yeah. Um, and so we've done, uh, on the very first episode of this podcast, I got the blacksmith himself on, mm. and uh, we tested this in different uses, and we tried to use it as a serving fork, as a carving fork, or just as an eating fork. And mm. it doesn't work as a carving fork or a serving fork because it actually bends. I mean, you can see we've it's got a bit of a... Yeah bend to it now um, and that's just where we've been like experimenting with it but before that I was convinced it was a serving fork mm -hmm. and then I got my hands on it and realized actually it doesn't work so it must be an eating fork yeah. I mean yeah or for something else at least um, yeah so like you say unless you actually get your hands on something 
and I guess yours is the same with an instrument. You can hear about an instrument, but until you play it and you feel it and, and experience it, you can't really know what they did with it. Exactly. And uh, yeah. that's another thing with these instruments, because you can talk about what the authenticity of how we use these instruments today. Uh, and most people who play these instruments today, they're not doing, they're uh, probably not doing anything even close to what they did back then. But mm. what I do know is that there is there is just a very few ways you can use these instruments. So pretty much whatever you do would be authentic. I don't. It's not, yeah. not necessarily authentic in the in in the context you're using it with synthesizers and stuff like most people in this scene are using a lot. Mm. Uh, but you can't really use it in a way that's not authentic because it, it's a physical acoustic thing you you have a string you touch the string it's kind of you can't you, you can't do much else you know <laughs> yeah yeah so um so we know the techniques we know how to use them which is authentic and then we need to start to be creative about it and there's it's it's no use of trying to recreate the music they had because we will never figure out what that may have been so mm. be creative and make something new with it I suppose even if, even if they'd wanted to, because they wouldn't have had like music notes and things, they couldn't have written down a piece of music that even if we found it, we'd be able to replicate because there wouldn't be any way to do it. It's more, it must be a bit like storytelling where it's word of mouth sort of thing. So someone plays a song and maybe someone else copies and adapts that song exactly. to a different audience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, like the liars. There's two ways of using them. And, uh, you know, the other way you use, I mean, you can use it playing chords like a guitar, kind of, yeah. which we assume that they did while while uh, reciting lyrics, like mm. the poems. Uh, we do assume that some, uh, at least some scouts were using Elias and were accompanying, like like playing chords while singing. And you can obviously also use it like background music and playing it like a harp, like play plucking strings. Yeah. And it's pretty much what you can do with the instrument. <laughs> it's interesting to think as well, like how far back human creativity goes, isn't it? Like yeah. we've always wanted to create things. Yeah. So, yeah. It's so, kind of a really cool idea. Yeah. So I guess maybe maybe we're about to to head into into the aspect of uh, music uh, and food kind of thingy. At the moment. Yeah, yeah. So as I said, we can't as we can't do food, you've brought some things along um and sort of tangentially, I believe, gonna be linked in a little bit to animals. So because I do my animal butchery courses, mm -hmm. people often ask me, what do you do with the bones and the skin and different things? So I thought this would be a great opportunity to say, here's an expert, here's what we do with the leftover yeah. animal bits. Yeah. So um music history starts way before that obviously because i mean mm. i think that the first kind of uh intentional sounds we were making <laughs> would be would be uh replicating sounds like replicating sounds from animals for hunting for uh, telling stories uh, i think it would be to hum make humming sounds like like melodies to put children to bed mm. Of course, we don't know if they did that, but it would make sense. Or at least yeah. if you hold your kids, you, you would make some sort of a comforting sound. If it was like, or if it was a melody, we don't know, but they would mm. probably do that. 
and they would probably make some sounds while they were working maybe they even made melodies we don't know but we do know that they have had musical instruments quite far back in time and do you really have an idea about how far we how old the first instrument is that we have found oh you're going to test me now <laughs> no 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 it's, it's just... <laughs> You're going to ask me for the questions later. <laughs> uh, oh, I don't know. A uh, couple of thousand years? It's actually... Probably at least. Yeah, it's actually 43,000 years old. 43, wow. Yeah. Way off. <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's a wing bone from a bird. You can't replicate it anymore because those birds are gone way, <laughs> a very long time ago. But yeah. it's, it's a wing bone from a bird that was made into a flute and it's found in, in uh, the area, in a cave in the area between uh, Germany and France today, I think. Um, and it's, uh, it's broken into pieces, so we don't know exactly how it was. Uh, right. That one is 36,000 years old and it's the first flute that we know that they made scales with to play some sort of melody because it has finger holes on it right okay we don't know the scale because <coughs> it's in pieces so we don't know exactly how it was but we know that it's a flute and it had finger holes so it's similar to there's a native american uh is it an eagle bone flute i think is it, that the same sort of yeah it, it's kind of similar it's uh, it's quite similar to the Kena flutes that they're using in, in the southern uh, South America. Uh, today right. we have a block in, in there, to, to, but back in the days it was just chopped off in one end. Yeah. And you just placed it to, you, to your mouth and you blew, blew to, the whole, to, uh, to the flute itself to make the sound. Um, mm. And there's another one which is, it doesn't have playing holes, but it's uh, made from um, a leg bone, I think, from a mammoth. And it's oh. uh, 43,000 years old. It's found in the same cave, I think, actually. Yeah, at huh. least in the same area. So we know that they had instruments that you can make sounds with 43,000 years ago. We don't know if they used it for making melodies. You can make melodies with it even without finger holes. Mm. Um, you can make si simple kind of like maybe three maybe four notes depending on the instruments by actually closing the end of the, the tube yeah yeah so, so it's it's possible it, it's like one of those whee, whee, flutes you kind of oh <laughs> that, yeah yeah so um so if they made music we don't know but they at least makes made sounds maybe the sounds were a way of like gathering the children you know when soup mm. was finished i don't know but they had this, and it's made from bones, which is re re uh, related to food, because they would gather the animal to make food, maybe clothes and tools, like instruments, uh, arrows. Um, and I, of course, I, I have to show, so these are not that old. These would be instruments that you could use in Viking Age. So. It's a deer bone and it's a moose bone. Yeah. So um, nice. That's a that's a hefty sized moose bone. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's it's um, yeah. It's the lower leg for a for a moose. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's a big one. Um, yeah. These also have another story. It's made by one of the. Um, it's a, a Norwegian guy. 
who has been been one of the guys to to produce these kind of instruments and the lutes, the wooden horns, and and such for a long time. Unfortunately, he passed away last summer. Oh. So we lost one of the one of the yeah. guys who really been been helping out with what I do. Uh, so yeah. these instruments means even more to me now. Mm, yeah, it's it's really good quality instruments. So yeah, um, so bones, yeah, that's definitely related to to uh, to music. When mm. we, I, I'll just continue, right? Yeah, yeah, you. <laughs> I'm happy to just listen. Yeah, and. Yeah. Uh, I have another bone here. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, you could use it to hit a drum or whatever, but you could also yeah. attach something like this onto it, which is hooves. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So again, related to the animals, and mm. there's a lot of sound on that. I have no idea how it will sound for you guys. But... Not That's hearing it. Huh? Couldn't hear that, I'm afraid. All right. Yeah. I hear it. It's hurting my ears. Yeah. So <laughs> that's interesting. It didn't make any sound this end. There's, there's nothing on. Oh, that's that's strange. Uh, yeah. But this is this is kind of like it's not. I can hear that. Yeah. No, it not... stopped again. That's weird. When you picked it up, it made a noise, and then it stopped when you started uh, shaking it. Maybe it's because it's very loud, so it turns down the sound when I play it. Maybe it helps to play it. Yeah. So... See, I'm getting the very gentle. Yeah. Yeah. And I also have these, which are kind of a, a lot of different things here. We have uh, hooves from from uh, sheep. We also have seeds from plants, which is also relative to to food. And uh, it's definitely a. I, I mean, I use this instrument insanely much. I can use it for making like watery sounds. I can use it for rhythms, you know, and and mm. I, I use them all the time. I even use them uh, on my feet when I'm doing uh, children's lectures, being like yeah. <laughs> some sort of a clowny role for them. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's that's at least uh, a lot of uses for for bones and hooves and and seeds. Mm. Uh, so I'll keep these away so I know what I've been talking about and not. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, of course. Um, we have like antlers you can use yeah front like many of you have probably uh, I, I i assume that some of the people watching this channel has been uh, listening to hilog <laughs> and they probably I would imagine so <laughs> they probably seen Maria standing on stage with some bones doing like yeah you know yeah. so uh, these are quite, quite uh, cool they're from from uh, again from a moose the ribs and you could obviously use them as as like drumsticks you can use them to just you know rhythms yeah. and all sorts of things it's a uh, it's a very useful thing and, and antlers again also makes this really hollow nice sound um i should probably point out the obvious but if anyone's only listening to the audio of this <laughs> they should probably jump over to youtube and watch so they can actually see the items that you're talking about yeah that would probably help uh this is one of the things I'm uh, normally talking about in the, at least in the children's stories uh, when I tell about my my grandma who weren't very good at cleaning her teeth. <laughs> <laughs> so again, we're back to the moose mm. because they're bigger, of course. And uh, again, you can 
it doesn't come out on there. All right, it's probably nah. Maybe that. No. Oh, right. No. Um, I, I have to make a video showing these things then. <laughs> this, it's like yeah. a, we would call a rachet. It says like kind of rhythmic parts. And mm. there's also later later in history, like in, in, into the medieval times and, and also different places in the world, you find different versions where they're actually using because the teeth are a little bit loose. Yeah. So they can use them to, to hit them and make rattling sounds and they put them together several of them and they make all sorts of instruments for, from from these actually so it's a very much used musical instrument mm. <laughs> um the moose is very useful yeah yeah it is <laughs> um, and of course the deers <laughs> we can um yeah this this design is probably a modern one but you have hide and you have yeah have antlers and uh, you have all sorts of seeds or stones or rocks to make to make rattles with so um yeah that again you know food related stuff yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i already told about seeds so <laughs> um and of course, more well-known musical instruments that that are more known for making like like melodies and music is this is uh, a cow. Um, yeah, you can't really make. Uh, I'm not gonna try to blow it because it's insanely loud, so we won't probably <laughs> blocked out. Yeah. Uh, it's a cow horn. You can you can blow it. You can make a tone. You could also make different tones by putting your uh, fingers in there it, it'll go lower when you put it into the horn and so you can make like maybe four to five notes with this one you can't really make playing holes on these kinds of horns it's as soon as you lift one of the fingers you lose half the sound oh, okay so for making that you would go to these instruments which is in in uh, scandinavia known back to at least the 400s there's a find of uh, a goat horn in sweden but oh, again okay. we know, yeah. know that they played the horn instruments uh, for thousands of years and yeah uh, if you look at music history uh, most sources points back to to the east uh, some sources point back to like china uh, some mm. points back to to like Probably a lot of what we had up here, we found from 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 uh, Miklagard or Istanbul, mm. um, because in the Middle East they've been doing this for thousands of years. <laughs> um, but these are, uh, yeah. If you're interested, you can go to my YouTube and you can search for a, a, a song called Bukkehorn, which is goat horn in Norwegian, um, and you can hear me play it. <laughs> yeah. I know the one you mean. I've got the sound in my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and back to to uh, I, we don't have finds of these in Scandinavia, but we have a lot of finds of them uh, from from the Middle East and from Persian music. Yeah. Uh, and uh, some of you have probably seen Gustav play it at Midgårdsbrot during the <laughs> opening. The opening ceremony. Ceremony. Yeah. <laughs> so it makes a really low sound, which is cool. Um, uh, again, I can't use it here. Unfortunately, that that was a pity, really. <laughs> um, so yeah, that that was a lot of, of horny stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
uh, and uh, and these kind of things. I mean, we have go into history. There are so many things pointing back at this. Some of the oldest findings of, of gold statues, which is yeah. gold, are doing something that looks like playing music. Like some of them are standing like this with something yeah. that seems like playing like a rosette or something. Some are holding round objects like this and pointing at them with a stick, which also kind of, you know, it, it may not be a drum, but, mm. uh, you know, it's kind of, yeah, it makes you think of drums anyways. <laughs> yeah. And then if you go back to like um, the Neolithic times, mm. again, back in, in the Stone Age, we do have findings of instruments similar to this which are small ceramic pots. And uh, even archaeologists are claiming that they have been used for drums. I, I'm not really sure. Uh, they're small. I think maybe they're used for maybe eating, making food of some sorts or whatever. Uh, yeah. But if you make them to drums, they would sound something like this. If you could hear that. That <laughs> nah, doesn't come out here, no. <laughs> that's frustrating. It's a silent drum. <laughs> that is really frustrating. It makes yeah. a very, very light kind of beep, beep, beep sound right. um, because it's small and you don't, yeah. it's closed. So I'm not sure if they have been drums or if they've been something else, but there's different ways of making those. And it's a very common thing to use in mm. terms as drums. But there are a few findings that seems to be quite obvious. And one of these findings are drums looking similar to this one. And today, most people would probably say, ah, belly dance. <laughs> because they're normally used for, for, for like the solo players for belly dance. Yeah. Uh, there are ceramic pots like this. Some of them has this kind of uh, uh, ears to them. And yeah. they assume that there have been like fish skins, like on this one, attached to them. So this is made to me by a friend of mine from, from Morocco, who uh, who makes, uh, I don't think he makes the ceramic, but at least he gathered the fish and put them on, because it's not very common to find fish skin drums anymore. <laughs> no, I don't think I've ever heard of one being used as a as a drum, uh, if you go back to 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 my my album um, uh, Farid, there's a lot of this one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in, especially you can hear it a lot in the song uh, songs like like Estavind um, and Chist, at least. Yeah. Um, it's like it's a very it's a sharp kind of like when you listen to belly dance. There's always someone playing really fast, like thingy. It's one of those. Right. <laughs> I only recently found out you could make leather from from fish skin. Yeah, yeah. There's a guy up in Scotland, uh, Hamish Pictavia leather. Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, he he does like fish skin Great leather. Guy, by the way, I, I'm doing a course with him uh, in two weeks. Ah, you should so say. He's going to show me how to do the do the fish skin leather. Yeah, say hello yeah. from me. We met, we met several times, uh, not so far from here, and I I, uh, I made some music for a documentary movie about him once. Yeah, yeah, nice. <laughs> it's a small world, you know. <laughs> it is, yeah. Everyone seems to know everyone, and it's funny, like getting into reenactment myself. I've yeah. only been doing it probably five or six years, but like your world opens up to all these things you've never heard of, and you meet all these really cool people. It's yeah, yeah, and everyone knows everybody. <laughs> Like coming home, really. <laughs> yeah, it is. 
so, yeah. so yeah um yeah and while we're at it i i cannot talk about like drums without you know showing one of these kind of things <laughs> which obviously mm. is, is uh regular skins this is a goat skin but you can make them from yeah. any hides so yeah i mean <laughs> got mine behind me yeah yeah so this is this is actually the first drum i ever made and it's still my favorite <laughs> yeah i made it um yeah back in when was that a bit like 98 or something yeah so that's a long time ago <laughs> so, so was that was that self-taught as well like when when do you work out you want to play music with these old instruments did you just have to work out how to make it because we didn't have like the internet and stuff like today no it's not like it's, today I, I did yeah. have a friend that that uh, had made a few drums that that uh, mm. showed me a little bit uh, tricks and what what to do and don'ts but I was actually a few years later. So when I started, I really had no idea. I just started and tried it out. And yeah. the first one actually worked out. So <laughs> <laughs> it's still really. Um, it's always the way though, isn't it? You get when when you don't know how to do something like cook a certain dish or whatever. Yeah. It always goes perfectly the first time. And when you know what you're doing is when things start to go wrong, I find. Exactly. Because <laughs> <you're fine. laughs> yeah. So yeah. I had this really wild experience with this once. Uh, again, music coming from the inside because back in the days, uh, the, my second Viking band was was named Skvalder, yeah. which was uh, when my brother Benny came into the picture and, and started doing Viking markets and stuff. Um, also, uh, so he came into it after you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, when when Avas was like, we kind of Avas was around for a few years doing. A, mm seen omen or shows on viking festivals and stuff because we were the only ones i mean uh almost no one else there was a danish band um with with, with nana and and uh, those which was around but apart from that there was almost no and then yeah a few bands doing like medieval stuff but we were i i mean when we started off we had no idea what we were doing we were just banging our drums singing yelling you know doing yeah. whatever it came from the inside and people absolutely loved it some people <laughs> absolutely hate hated it <laughs> <laughs> people were actually fighting about us on market <laughs> like physically <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah because some people hated the drumming at night and some people absolutely loved it so uh, after a few years i kind of started demanding to have like we need to have like agreements on when to play and not because you know we yeah. can't take that responsibility when a market books us to come play and they say, yeah, play all night. Then people start hitting us because they hate us because they can't sleep. Find <laughs> 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 some rules for that because it should be open yeah. for all people. Also, yeah. those who don't like that, you know. So <laughs> it was a journey. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that was a sidetrack again. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Squalder was uh, was normally doing a market up at Iceland. Uh, we were there every year until that damn thing happened up there and they went bankrupt, you know. Yeah. Um, I think that there's a, at least one video on YouTube, right? Of yeah, there should be a few. Up in Iceland. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure I've seen something in a mead hall or something like that. I don't yeah, know. that's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah the, there's some more more like musical stuff also, but that's uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's classical. Every last night on those festivals, if you had a Viking dress and uh, some Viking-ish to drink from, you can mm. just go and you could just pour yourself in a bar. 
<laughs> might, you know, <laughs> for free. So those parties yeah. were so wild. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, yeah, we also had this this rumor up there that Squalder never stopped playing before either one or one person or one instrument was broken. <laughs> and kind of like <laughs> we didn't. So we, there, we had a lot of blood on our drums and stuff because things were really crazy, more crazy than nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so um, one of the years I actually left my drum at home. I left it on my wall, and uh, it didn't like that. So when I came back home, it has jumped down from the wall and it was laying face down on the on the floor with a cracked skin. Oh no. Mm -hmm. mm. So I never left it again after that. <laughs> <laughs> this is the second second skin. <laughs> It's the so, same drum but different skin. Yeah, because it, yeah. it told yeah. me that you you're not leaving me back home anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to re <laughs> because it was just hanging on the wall in in yeah. my living room, and when yeah. I came back, it it jumped down and cracked. <laughs> so, oh no! So yeah, that was like yeah. a drum saying saying something. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so that was for the drums. Uh, yeah. You want me to continue? I can do this all day, all day. <laughs> <laughs> I got as long as you've got. I mean, I, yeah. Yeah, no, uh, we're actually getting to an end when, when it comes to, to food related stuff. Yeah. Um, but I, I have to show you something funny. It's just, it's just funny. And I don't really think they used that for music back then, but yeah. Uh, I did a, a project for, um, uh, for the Nordic Animism channel um, yeah. uh, last year, uh, a song called uh, Raven, uh, Raven something. Yeah, I did so much music last year. I, you know, <laughs> but um, you can see in the video, you can see me using these actually. Yeah. <laughs> so you can actually use use herbs and and plants to make yeah. musical instruments. <laughs> uh, but that's just a fun thing. I don't really think they did that back then, but. <laughs> but then, it's like, funny. When talking about like like, like uh, am I there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But like 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 Viking Age music, you can't you know not talking about a few well-known instruments. Um, I'll find a couple of them for you. So if I put you there, is that safe? I think I said before we started recording, but your workshop is amazing. I mean, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's a great uh, collection. Yeah. A lot of years of collecting. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, many people who's been listening to this kind of Viking music, these instruments are probably not in tune at all, but I can't play them under this recording anyway. So, yeah, yeah. Most people would know how these things sound. And, uh, uh, today, you know, people are are not very happy when you say that you eat horse food. That uh, <laughs> they did eat horses, and they string this instrument with horse hairs. And in many cultures, we don't we haven't found that in in the Nordic regions, but in, in other regions, especially where it's warmer and drier, they also normally would use uh, skins on top of the instruments. Yeah. Uh, it's quite common. You have it on many instruments in in Africa, in India, and such that you actually use a skin instead of a wooden top for the box. 
so definitely related to 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 food again uh, and yeah. animals. Uh, I also have this instrument, which should be uh, familiar to you. <laughs> it's uh, it's the Sutton Hoo lyre. Yeah. From from Sutton Hoo in England, or uh, well, the, really the, this part is what's left from the from the original. I mean, and a few bits and pieces, so it's uh, you know really reconstruction. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. It's based on other finds. Uh, yeah. And this one, um, you can hear me play it also again. I'm referring to my music since I can't play play much here. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you go for a song called Gran, which means uh, pine, um, you could actually, um, you can hear me play it. Uh, the strings here are, are artificial horse hairs, because horse hairs are not very, you know, when traveling, sleeping, intense and, you know, <laughs> yeah. very yeah. unstable. So I use artificial ones, but it's, it's, it has this really nice damp sound to it. Mm. Um, and uh, and um, if you if you look for my album um, uh, at Bronzeblossom, which should be named live at Bronzeblossom, really, <laughs> um, you, you can hear me play on, on this one. Uh, and lastly, of course, the instrument that everybody knows from Viking Age, many assume, yeah. which has nothing to do with Viking Age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, uh, and that's kind of funny when, when, when I do uh, show this because you know this is pretty much uh, almost before Viking Age and this is long time after Viking Age so so this is, is dated to the 600s mm. which is early early Viking Age uh, this instrument which is very common I mean I know it made it very famous uh, it's a thousand years newer because this instrument is uh, made uh, the carbon dating which is not that you know you can't really say it's exact but it's since it's not that old it's kind of exact yeah so this instrument was made pretty pretty close to 1600 which is kind of long after viking age uh, is that the one that was just sort of sat in a farmhouse somewhere yeah it's found in a farmhouse yeah. in norway yeah. and and to me, it makes the history much more interesting, really, because, I mean, we stopped making these instruments in Europe in around like 1100. Mm. When, I mean, the church came with new instruments and new ideas and the instruments started evolving and modern instruments came around. So in Norway, we actually kept this tradition for several hundred years and it evolved. This is a much more evolved instrument than the ones that were available in Viking Age. The sound, mm. the box, and everything is is much more modern. Um, and on these these instruments, you would you would use uh, intestrals and uh, or gut strings, like you use in, in. I mean, if you listen to orchestras uh, replicating old music today, they still use uh, use gut strings. Really? And as far as I know, there is even a finding of uh, I think it was in Germany uh, something that seems to have been. Um, Cat gut string factory from the medieval days. Oh. So when I do my children's lectures, I'm making a lot of thing, uh, you know, a big thing out of that for all the young ladies. Cat drills, poor cats, you know. <laughs> so yeah, so that was um, a lot about music instruments and relation yeah. to to 
at least yeah at least it's i mean you would hunt an animal and you would use as much of the animal as you could and some mm -hmm. would be some of it would be food some of it would be tools some of it might even be instruments mm -hmm. <laughs> which is kind of like i think the yeah, the the, the close-up of, of that part of the interview. <laughs> <laughs> I can say, yeah, yeah. Um, but you, I think you said earlier that some of them might have been used in the hunting process as well. So that the, the horns in the in hunting. I think. Yeah. Did you yeah. mention earlier they were a part of the hunting itself? Yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, uh, may, maybe not the instruments because they might have been scared, scaring the the, the animals. Mm. Uh, but you would at least um, make the sound of the animal to ah, try right, okay. to learn. Yeah. And, and maybe also later when, when we started more like herding and, and collecting, when they started making fences to, yeah. to, 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 to hunt the animals into, into fences so they were trapped, then you could use instruments to scare them, you know, and, and, and then they would run the other way and all of a sudden they yeah. were trapped. Um, and obviously, uh, we think that they have been using uh, instruments also like when finding a new cave for your family after you, your neighbor kind of broke your last one or something. <laughs> yeah. you, can, you can use a horn to, to scare whatever would be in there, like a bear or whatever. Yeah. So, uh, so um, in that terms, I think that they have used them. And I think that maybe flutes and stuff has also been used for communicating because you could like make like birdie sounds that wouldn't scare the animals. But yeah, the people yeah. you were hunting together with would know it if it was you. And you can make different signals for different meaning. Like there's no, no animals here or I just found one or whatever. Um, and we also know that mm -hmm. they just um, for for shepherds. And there's a huge tradi tradition around the world for for shepherds making music. Uh, one of the parts is probably because they get bored. Yeah. Up there. Uh, one of the parts is probably to keep the herd together. If if they know that you're you're the safeguard and you make that sound, then they would come to you uh, if they got lost. Uh, mm. So known that they used horns for making different kind of, of, of messages, like, for instance, like, oh, you pretty lady I met at the party last night, I'm all alone up in the mountains, <laughs> you know, or my mouth of food, or, yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so, so they've been, been used at least, at least in, in similar kind of contexts as hunting. Yeah. The, that that's for sure so yeah <laughs> yeah really fascinating it's a lot of music geeking <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean as you said we couldn't hear any of the instruments today but that's in case anyone that. hasn't heard you before obviously they can find your stuff on youtube and spotify right i mean yeah yeah so they can check out the songs that you've mentioned that use the instruments as well if they need to yeah they'll have to have like their phone open playing the sounds as they <laughs> They listen to the podcast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, yeah. take notes. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah. I'm I'm pretty much all over out there if you if you're into it. So check out. Um, you can find me on 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 uh, on .com also, and uh, be sure to check out Nevala, by the way. While I'm into that, uh, love Nevala. Yeah. So yeah. 
yeah that's a that's a cool cool project <laughs> yeah yeah i was lucky enough to see you guys at midgard plot as you know <laughs> i know and, uh, <laughs> yeah i was down the front row i didn't even know you were recording it until the video started coming out no it's uh, i was it's unaware of that a couple of weeks now and you will be able to see the whole show again yeah i'm fairly certain i can see the back of my head <laughs> <laughs> i'm pretty lucky. <laughs> yeah that's that's um sort of favorite new artist band i don't know what would you what would you refer to as project yeah it's yeah, yeah it's becoming a band it was a project when when you yeah. asked to me it was it was his project and uh, mm. he actually started working the project in england with a different producer but then corona came and he was here yeah. and the producer was there and so so he came to me instead and and we made the rest of the album together and mm. now it's like uh, the main base of the band is a trio so it, it's, a, it's a really good power trio with me Jonas and Robin Barshot the drummer mm. so so you can say that we <laughs> we have a lot of the music industry in that band with with Jonas from Hyrule me from me who've been with yeah. and Rob from from um, from um, Oh, I lose words. Uh, Omnia is the yeah. band. So, <laughs> so that's that, that power thing. <laughs> it's, I think I like it so much as well because it's so different. It's not just like, as, as we're saying about like Viking music, mm -hmm. like there's a sound now that people come out with and Nabala came out and it was like, oh, wait a minute. This is different. <laughs> I mean, also, I mean, it's me and Jonas. We couldn't be either Vadruna or Heilung. That would be silly, you know? Yeah. <laughs> They're already yeah. there. And uh, and why try to sound like someone who is already there? Because they're already there. You will never be as good as them to do that anyways. So mm. so do your, your own stuff instead. And I really like the craziness in, in Jonas's head when it comes to making music. <laughs> 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 it's amazing to work with that guy <laughs> yeah actually it reminds me as well is when um when you played your set in the guild hall at midgard block mm -hmm. and uh i mean you kind of had a lot of a lot of your friends come in and help you to perform because i yeah. think on the album it's just you right is that yeah exactly yeah. yeah and so you had to get everyone together and because i was down the front i could sort of catch snippets of your conversations of telling people what they need to play next and how it was going to go yeah. And there was just like, you could see the skill involved with all the different people that you'd chosen to play and how you could say to them, you need to do this now. And they would just do it and yeah. it worked. And like, there was so much skill. And then at the end, there was like so much love, like you're all hugging each other and like, because it had gone so well. <laughs> it was really important Amazing. for me because because uh, Runa at Midgars Blood came to me and asked me to do my my Blut or my, my, my album Blut as mm. I, like, combination between a concert and uh, a blot mm. and for me it's like okay it's saturday evening at a music festival there's a lot of drunk people i can't make a blue like a blue blot but i can i can i can do something similar mm. uh, and for me the album is a very very personal thing it's uh, it was a very hard album to release because it's i mean i i chose to produce this very very raw very honest and raw i didn't like de fix all the, the 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 tones i'm singing way out of tune uh, i mean when i'm hitting my drum the wrong thing i kept these things to make it yeah. honest and raw uh, for the purpose of it and when i was figure trying to figure out how to do this live i could try to do it alone but 
that would be something completely different. Maybe I will mm. do it later, but but I would I wouldn't try to find like okay, who can I ask into this that are good musicians, but that also understands what this is all about because this is not only music. This is something more. Yeah. So so I found these people, which are I mean amazing musicians, and uh, yeah. um, I mean. They've never been on a stage together before. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Several of these people have never haven't even met each other before. <laughs> so we got like four hours. Uh, some of us got four hours, met up a few days before, and like just went through the sets one yeah. time. Uh, but that, that was also That's incredible. Yeah, because we needed to keep it that raw to to be able to create something similar to the album. And give it the authentic sound of. Exactly, because if, yeah. we, if we spent hours and hours and hours rehearsing it, this, it wouldn't be the same. Mm. Yeah. So, but it's, uh, yeah, I was really, you know, scared when I went on that stage. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, there were so many things that could have possibly gone wrong. But then again, yeah. I was quite confident that I had the right people with me. <laughs> yeah. As I say, you could see how it all came together, that everyone... Although they might not have been perfectly familiar with what they were doing, they were skilled enough to to pull it all together, which was awesome. Yeah. And it's yeah. important because I can't, with a, such an honest and such a um, personal thing, I can't mm. ask people to play what I would do because that wouldn't be inside them. Yeah, I would give I gave them the songs up front and I say that okay, you do the drum parts, but you need to do them your way. Yeah. Because it needs to come from you, you know. So, so that that's also really important when working with music in this way. And and to those people who has been on Midgard Blood, they probably, I mean, they've seen Folket Botafornur, I mean, they've seen Runa Hill, you know. Mm. Uh, and and it's all about that, especially Runa Hild. You, you will never mm. ever do the same song two times, you know, because it, it, to her also it's so important that it needs to come from the inside. It needs to be. Yeah. There then you know and and yeah it's it's a different way of thinking music <laughs> so do you see it as is it like a spiritual thing for you i yeah. don't know what you whether it's religious but you know spiritual definitely spiritual yes yeah and, and all music i make oh, okay okay i mean you might have heard my my new ep that i released uh this week which is yes. like but that that's commissional work and it's work that mm. i like like six to 12 years ago um for commissions it, it works the way that when you make a commission very often the people who who you're making it for they own the rights to the music for a certain period of time so they can make and release their product uh, the products I made this music for were never finished, but but uh, but now again the the contracts are gone, so I can release my music. That's why I did it now. Yeah, that's why it's different from from other music you heard me make. Yeah, it's very different. Yeah, because this is music constructed for a purpose. It's not music that uh, appears inside me. You know, it, it, it's mm. a different way to make music. Yeah. Um, so it's it's quite different. But I, I kind of like it anyways, which if not, I wouldn't obviously release it. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not going to release something you don't like. That's uh, not going to work for you, is it? No, I can tell you a secret. Yeah. There's another EP coming up shortly. Yeah. Much more Vikingish. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. 
it's a couple of other commissional works but it's uh, yeah i didn't include them here because they're 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 different from what i left on on, on this one so it's mm. a couple of new releases before summer <laughs> very cool if you like we'll move on to my set questions yeah you can do that their personal opinion so don't don't panic um, <laughs> <laughs> all right so the first first question is if you had an unlimited budget what would be your dream project oh uh, <laughs> i'm always on unlimited budget <laughs> you, you you won't get rich from doing what i do so <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but say that someone says to you here's a million or however much yeah what would um, be your dream project to work on I think my dream project is exactly what I do, really. Just keep going. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm this really, really, really lucky guy who just found my own way, and I absolutely love what I do. Yeah, um, I would be maybe I would like to do more in winter time, and because mm. I'm spending my entire summer touring. Like last year, I was continuously touring from 2nd of May and for six months straight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's awesome. I've, I I decided, so I bought this this camper van that I live in when I do that. So I can go yeah. to uh, to a job somewhere. And because there's distances in Norway, it's not a big country, but we have distances. Yes. And small mountain roads. So yeah. go from, from, uh, from here to Oslo takes at least eight hours. And Whereabouts the, are you? I don't, I don't actually know where you are. I'm, I'm in Bergen. Bergen, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So if you look at the map, I mean, if you ask someone in Europe, they would say like, yeah, it's maybe a three hours drive, you know? Yeah. <laughs> then we had the mountains and bad roads. <laughs> so, so what I would do is that I go hmm. to somewhere and I do my job for maybe three to five days on some Viking markets or for, for a museum or a music festival, whatever. And then yeah. I take my car and I start going to the next place, but then I maybe have like four days so I can just stop somewhere at the lake or in the mountain or whatever and be with my snail house hut, you know. It's, <laughs> it's a perfect life. <laughs> I mean <laughs> that's good. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah, very nice. I I I think I already do my dream project. That's a really good answer. Mm. Yeah. And it's nice to find someone that's doing what they love and yeah, making it work. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to go slightly food-related with the next question. Mm -hmm. Do you think you could survive on a Viking Age diet? <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, I, I would need to learn a lot more about it. But, uh, I mean, yeah. people have survived on that diet before, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, of course I would survive on that. They tied into that. The next question is: Is there anything you would? A tiny miss? problem for me, though, uh, as an extra, yeah. is that I have a celiac and milk allergy. Ah, so I can't have flour, flowers, or milk products. Not even lactose-free, is since it's the protein I'm reacting to. My wife's the same. Hmm? My wife is the same. Ah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. but then you know. Yeah, yeah. Still but she can have butter. Yeah, yeah, I can't have regular yeah. butter, but I can have yeah. the what we would call goo, which mm. is, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a special way of treating it, so you can actually get yeah. rid of, of the the protein. It's uh, some sort of a heating process, uh, but okay. I'm not so good with this these things. I don't know, so yeah. they, they do it to their butter. 
do they? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so is there is there any other foods that you would miss if you were living on a Viking Age diet? I know um I like all sorts of foods really. Uh which is one of the main good things about traveling, you know, meat foods. Uh yeah. Fortunately, the last like 10 years, it's been more difficult as I've got this problem. <laughs> so yeah. I can't just go for it anyways. Uh, but I, I'm not really sure because you can make so much good stuff with a Viking diet, you know. <laughs> and if you extend, I mean, what I do with Viking, Viking music is that I, I go into the traditions we had here. And then I search mm. for the traditions, where did these traditions come from? And if you extend the same for food, then you could kind of like, you would have the whole Europe, uh, Russia, uh, Middle East kind of cuisine in Viking Age. And I think that yeah. would be kind of, uh, I mean, <laughs> what, what <laughs> would there be to miss, really? I get a lot of people, I think, go along the lines of things like sugar and caffeine. That, that type of stuff okay i um, i do yeah. drink coffee every morning uh i don't use sugar really <laughs> so so yeah i i would yeah. probably, probably miss coffee yeah that that's, yeah. that's right i would but uh but i i don't really use sugar in my diet you know <laughs> so i never add sugar to anything yeah Fair enough. It's like uh, Frank Zappa did back in the days. I think he actually did it in Norway too, um, back in the seventies when when that 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 song became popular, the Bobby Brown song, and everybody loved that song. But you know the people who loved Frank Zappa they didn't love that song. So uh, he started his concert playing the Bobby Brown song, and everybody was happy. And he continued playing the Bobby Brown song again. And again and again, or until you know most people have le had left the the, the, the facilities. Yeah. And then he said to the rest of the guys that, yeah, it's good to see that someone understands it. So let let the show start. <laughs> <laughs> There's um. Have you heard of the British comedian called Bill Bailey? Yeah, I've heard about, but I I must yeah. admit I'm not very familiar with with his work. He's very good with his musical instruments and uh, he sort of mixes in music with comedy. Yeah. Um, and, and we saw him live once and he did that thing at the end with the encore. So he does, does the show, a few mm -hmm. people get up and leave yeah. and then he carries on and does an encore. And then a few more people get up and leave. And after, he did it about five or six times. In the, <laughs> and every time he goes, and we were sat in the front row and so we'd see him stood at the side and he'd come back and go right now that those lot have gone <laughs> <laughs> and nice. he would just keep going and it went on for like another i don't know 30 40 minutes i think in the end <laughs> oh wow, that's really cool yeah. i know he he met uh i know recently because there was a whole i don't know if it was metal hammer magazine or something had a piece with bill bailey and i know and i think they met at one of the london gigs and yeah, I reckon there'll be a collab at some point. There's got to be. Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> That'd be fun. Yeah, because yeah, he, yeah he, he's got all kinds of weird and wonderful instruments from around the world that he pulls out. And he's yeah. always looking for stuff that people have never heard of to pull out on stage and do something fun with. Cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I love that, by the way. So yeah. if you go to, to, to my YouTube, um, on my latest EP, there, there's this song called 
called Acoustic Oscillator, which is, which is a remake of yeah. an, an, an old like Electronica song. Yeah. I, have a, I have a video there. Uh, I think I put it into the playlist that I called The Cabin uh, for my new right. And there's actually yeah. a, a video I made when the song originally released in 2016, uh, where I actually show all the instruments I'm using on that track. It's ah. kind of a funny humoristic video where I show all these weird instruments and talk about them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I'll have a look. <laughs> right, so three more questions and then I'll I'll leave you in peace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or maybe I'll leave you in peace. I mean, I'm the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I say I've got all day, it's fine. <laughs> I've got other stuff I should probably be doing, but... Yeah, yeah, same here. <laughs> it's always fun just to chat to people. Yeah, it is. <clears throat> What's the worst food you've ever eaten? <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think I know exactly what the answer there. I've eaten a lot of things, and I've eaten a lot of food that people hate, like uh, surströming and you know rotten shark and all. <laughs> Yeah, but I don't find it that bad, really. It, it. I mean, if you go to a pub in Iceland and you eat the rotten shark they serve you there, it's terrible. Yeah. If you yeah. go to somebody's home, that's not what they eat at home. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So, but but we did get a serving on the Viking market up there once, and um, well, when you when you sit there and you eat and all of a sudden in the middle of your your meal you figure out that there are small white things crawling around inside your meat then that's not very good no <laughs> probably the worst meal i've ever had uh, so, yeah there was a lot of not so very happy vikings up there so what, what was the food that it was that I don't remember, it, it was fish uh, I, yeah. don't, I don't know exactly what it was. It was just this big serving that they served all the Vikings. Yeah. But, it can't uh, have been cooked for them to be crawling around inside. No, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> mm. so, yeah it was absolutely horrible. <laughs> and everybody was really, really, really furious about it. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Really, I, I was given some horns by... So I live by Avebury in mm -hmm. Wiltshire. Um, and there's a goat farm, a friend of mine there, and she had some cattle and took the horns and she was trying to find a use for them. Um, I have discussed sending them to Dan, Dan Farrand, funnily enough, but they were sat in my studio. And then I came in about a week ago to find maggots crawling out in the middle of those. Oh, no. <laughs> and that wasn't to eat, but <laughs> I had no. to dump them in the garden yeah. before I can do something with them. Yeah. Yeah, because they were intact, you know, blood on the sides and that, yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the next question could, potentially you could have the same answer for this one, I guess, is what's the most memorable meal you've ever had? <laughs> yeah, well, I do remember that. <laughs> oh, I, I, I had so many. Um... I think one of them was actually, uh, I think it was back in the late 90s, my, my, my first visit to Morocco. Yeah. Actually. And uh, we spent uh, a couple of weeks in, um, in a very tiny village, which is unfortunately broken now, uh, close to the coast of, of Morocco. Yeah. There's a really nice city called Esavira. Um, 
And close to there, there was this small tiny village called Diabat, which was absolutely wonderful, small, tiny, poor village with village people. It has a really great story, but it's a long one, so I, I'll leave it for now. Uh, nowadays, it's just scenography for a golf resort, which is really, really sad. Yeah, yeah. The whole eucalyptus forest is taken down to make uh. a resort. So it's really sad. But I, we were yeah. staying there for a while, uh, living with uh, this this local, really nice local guy. And we we went out there and, and we, we hunted some some wild pigeons. And um, he came with this. They have this uh, in the Moroccan cuisine. We have this this clay pots that you cook food in. Yeah, uh, it's uh, which absolutely makes things really nice. So yeah. him this this big pot on the fire at the sea in the eucalyptus forests with wild pigeons that we hunted and you know that was memorable you know that sounds great it's a really great evening yeah <laughs> <laughs> we had some, some weird instruments and we were jamming around and you know yeah yeah that was uh, that's fun great yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so the very very last question for you is mm-hmm. you've died. And your family and friends are preparing your grave goods. Ooh. What food? What food and drink do you get to take to the feast in Valhalla? What to bring there? Uh, I mean, they 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 have food there, right? <laughs> so I, I I've yeah. been playing Andrimna in a, in a theater group for many times with me and my ex. This theater group that made funny uh, children's stories for for Viking markets with a fighting group. And one of those stories were, were about when Andrimna lost the, the 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 meat and the meat for the Valhalla fighters. <laughs> so 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 I know they have good food there. <laughs> yeah, I've been the chef of Valhalla many times. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I mean, we'd be some some uh, some of obviously you would need some meat because I don't believe in you know. When somebody passes away, you should instead of like, of course, mourning is a process when somebody leaves, but you shouldn't mm. just cry out. You know, you should should try to celebrate the good times you had. Yeah. So, so I would probably make it a great feast with some some really good grilled meats, uh, meat, you know, good mm. vegetables. Nice somber note to end on. Yeah, but it's, it's yeah. a pleasure to, to chat with you. Yeah, it's been fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, even so... though I'm not, not such a good chef and, you know, my knowledge about working edge uh, food is, is very limited, I hope it was mm. at least relevant and uh, it served. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think it's good to have a bit of variety as well for, for people. So yeah. it's sort of a break from the norm. If every week I bring out, some food and give it to someone whereas this time they'll have something a little bit special to listen to or watch yeah where, where can people find you i know you mentioned earlier but i don't know if you want to reiterate your website and stuff just so that yeah all right you can find me search for my name Shelbrotten. you will find me uh, as Shelbrotten on instagram you would find me as Shelbrotten music on uh, facebook uh you can also also find me on any streaming service youtube etc and uh, if you're more interested you can go to shellbrotten.com you can visit my shop to find items like this <laughs> <laughs> and and, uh, and uh, also to check my my uh, kind of uh, long 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 discography with with uh, 
yeah, I think we're closer to 150 recordings listed up on my discography on my webpage wow. at the moment. So, I don't so, even think yeah. I've listened to all of those. <laughs> no, I mean, a lot of those are, are small releases from back in the 90s and stuff, which is uh, impossible to get these days. But they're all yeah. listed. And uh, yeah. as far as I found links to where you can find these things, I've linked them up. So if you click an item, you will find links to most of them. And what I'll do is I'll pop a thing down in the description underneath the video just so that people can find it easily. <laughs> right. Well, thank you, everyone, for watching. And thanks, Shell, for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. It's been, been great fun. Yeah, I've been missing talking to you. So. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs> if you enjoyed the show and want to hear more, remember to like and subscribe and give the show a rating. You can also help keep the show going by becoming a Patreon, where you'll get early access to all episodes. Or check out my range of merch on my store. Links are in the episode description. Thanks for listening. <laughs>